Welcome to Into the Breach, a reps and warranties policy podcast by Brian O'Keefe and Jenna Usenheimer, partners and co-leaders of the Transactional Underwriting Council practice at Cyforth Shaw, interviewing leaders from the industry and exploring the latest developments, market trends, and news impacting RWI and the transactional risk insurance markets. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Into the Breach. I'm Brian O'Keefe and I'm joined by my fearless co-host here, Jenna Usenheimer. How are you today, Jenna? I'm good. How are you, Brian? I'm doing very well. And um, have a good weekend. It was a good weekend. And uh, for our, our loyal listeners who follow our the, the co-host geographic changes in the show. <laughs> who doesn't um, follow that? <laughs> we, we know that our last episode, I was uh, taping from uh, picturesque Newburyport, Massachusetts, but I have changed locations. And like Jenna, who spent her winter at a 55 plus community with her parents, I'm now at a 55 plus community with my parents. So um, yeah, it's really so fun, job, isn't it? It is Great. fun. They have yeah. a swimming pool and a tennis yeah. court and bocce and a clubhouse and it's kind and of like a washer dryer home. in the house. That's we free, do have a washer dryer in the house. Yeah, it's meaningful to New Yorkers, maybe not so much to people on other parts of the country, but it was uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, and, and my parents were very, very honored that we were actually taping the podcast from here. So this is, I don't know, it's like our roadshow, you know? <laughs> well, they, they are welcome to join if they are interested in making an appearance on the pod. Uh, I, I, I kicked my dad out because my parents have a little dog that barks. And I said, <laughs> it cannot disturb, it cannot disturb the perfect podcast that we are on the cusp of creating because we have the perfect guest with us today. We do. And the perfect guest uh, is somebody who is uh, very well known in the industry and really doesn't need any introduction from us, but we will go ahead and do that anyway. Um, we are very fortunate to have with us today, uh, Julia Papaveridis, who is a managing director uh, and member in chief at Aon. And um, since it is about the midpoint of the year, uh, she's going to be on today to discuss uh, sort of where we stand with RWI uh, six months into 2021 um, and, uh, you know, just kind of where things are today. So we're very fortunate to have you here, Julia. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you, Brian and Jenna. I'm thrilled to be here. I am a huge fan of the podcast and you have joined, you've already interviewed some of my favorite people in the industry. So what a great way to start the week. Well, welcome. Thanks so much. Well, yes. Well, we are very, very happy to have you here and, and thank you for that, uh, for that compliment. We really appreciate it. And um, perhaps for, uh, uh, you know, uh, someone who's maybe living under a rock or isn't familiar with you, um, <laughs> you want to just give a little bit of background. We know you've had some big changes in the last couple months as well um, with coming over to Aon, but um, if you just want to explain a little bit about uh, your background and how you got involved in this and uh, where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started my legal career as a corporate M&A attorney at Denton's here in New York. Um, and a few years in, I moved over to Kramer Levin, um, also here in New York and in their corporate group. And in 2014 or so, Kramer Levin was actually using rep and warranty policies in about 60% of our deals. Um, and that was at a time when in middle market M&A, I don't really know the exact percentage, but let's call it less than 10% of deals were using rep and warranty insurance. So I became familiar enough with the product and kind of got a, a comprehensive lay of the land from Howard Spilko, who was one of the kind of 
founders of rep and warranty insurance in the US. Um, and um, from there, I, I moved to Everest and I was their initial hire to do rep and warranty insurance. And funnily enough, my very first day of work uh, went to Mohegan Sun um, <laughs> with Rob Clark. Um, so it was a, you know, just a, a whirlwind kind of ever since. I moved then to AIG to be an underwriter there. And after that, moved over to the brokerage side at Willis Towers Watson and um, was a broker there for a couple of years. We'll have to tell you, we'll have to entertain you with our Mohegan Sun stories some other day. But um, <laughs> that sounds like a good first day of work to me, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, it it was so exciting. I was meeting, um, you know, Craig Schiaffo and Craig Warnicky and Matt Hines and, uh, you know, RT and all these people from the industry that are now um, people that I've known for years. So it was, a, it was an exciting day for sure. Yeah. How much money did you make at the gambling tables? Um. <sighs> You know, I don't think, I think I was too scared to gamble. Um, <laughs> well, you, said, well, you have to hang out with us then. Yeah, we made a lot yeah. of money at craps. We yeah. made a lot of money at craps. It was right? really fun, yeah. I know. We will have to do that. There's a lot of gamblers in this business. So um, I, I've always tried, but I've never gotten into it too much. But a lot of people in this in this industry have had some really good luck. So I need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> You have to stick with us at the craps table. That's that's our piece of advice. So, uh, we, you know, Jenna won so much money following my advice that time. She bought a house or something with it, right? <laughs> three houses, actually. Three houses. Three, three houses. houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just so well, much money. Yeah. Well, we we digress, <laughs> but that is a, a very interesting background. And congratulations as well for your new role at Aon. Uh, it's very exciting and very exciting time for you. So I'm uh, really happy to see you uh, in the position you're in now. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I, I've been really happy with the Aon team. Um, it's strange to start a new job in a remote environment. Um, but first of all, I know a lot of the team already. So that really helped. But also, I just had such a warm reception. And I feel like we are really building and growing this kind of dynamic new team at Aon. Um, and I think we're over 50 strong now in the U.S. and Canada between, right. um, you know, the rep and warranty, transactional, also contingent tax and claims folks. Um, so it's a it's a huge team. We have a deep bench and I'm really proud to be part of it. Great. Well, well, speaking of um, uh, being warm, um, you know, we'll hop into the uh, the main subject today, which is uh, sort of a mid-year update, given that we're in uh, late June here and uh, trying to see where we've been at through 2021. And we thought there'd be nobody better than yourself who really sees uh, all segments of the markets and uh, works with a lot of different insurers and in, in placing policies. And, um, you know, I think our view has been that it has been a white hot market in uh, 2021 and yes. uh, everybody is uh, busier than ever, but, um, you know, trying to get your sense of that as well. And uh, if you agree with that assessment, you know, why you think that is the case, given a lot of other unusual and peculiar circumstances going on right now uh, in the world. Yeah, I think the term of art is um, it's been going like gangbusters. Um, <laughs> it has. Been, it is accurate description. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think all of us in 
um, this transactional insurance world are really grateful to work in such a dynamic field. But I, I think we could not have possibly predicted how incredibly busy we would all be not only through Q4, because Q4 is always a busy time in our business, but really through even through now. And so if you look at the, the numbers kind of year over year, we're even comparing back to 2019. So it's not even really fair to compare to, to a COVID year when it was such a lumpy and bizarre time. But if you're looking for at 2021 versus 2019, we are just... Um, really exceeding and surpassing the numbers that we had at that time, which is, you know, it's, it, it's exciting and it's, it's somewhat surprising, but despite market challenges, I think, um, you know, deal activity has really shown a lot of resilience. And so far these numbers are just kind of um, blowing out of the water, anything that we had in prior years. And why do you think that is? You, do you see any like reason behind the trend? Yeah, a couple of factors, and, and these are highlighted in our, our market update. Um, I mean, a first kind of obvious one is that the vaccine rollout has allowed for a lot of progress and return to normalcy in a lot of sectors. So we're seeing, you know, where tech never really kind of slowed down, for example, um, right. we're seeing areas that come back like energy, um, travel and leisure, um, and all of the sort of discretionary consumer goods. Um, and sort of in addition to that, there's a lot of pent up consumption and a, a big spike in household savings. So some of those are factors are also contributing to a lot of kind of economic growth more broadly. And then particular to M&A, we've got a lot of well-capitalized corporates that are making yeah. selective strategic acquisitions as well. Um, and then finally, and possibly the most important for rep and warranty um, as, a, as a mainstay for, for some of the reason that, that we are so busy, um, private equity just continues to have really immense firepower. And there's an estimated um, uncalled capital of 1.7 trillion. And that, that was as of July 2020. But, um, you know, that that's a that's a big number, and there's just a lot of investment uh, that that needs to happen, and that it, that is happening, and we're seeing that. And then, you know, I would also mention that there's just a great familiarity at this point with the product, with rep and warranty insurance, and so we are having um, a lot of success now with strategics that we didn't, you know, that didn't necessarily use it before. Even very large strategics that do a lot of deals. So it, it's it continues to not only grow in the in the traditional private equity space, but also in that kind of previously untapped um, strategic market as well. We are big fans of the vaccine uh, on this podcast, <laughs> that's for sure. And speak, and so speaking of the vaccine, do you feel like, I mean, COVID was such a strong presence in the deal activity last year and even into Q4. Like, are you seeing it play as big of a role? Do you feel like, we're past COVID and the rep and warranty space. Like, what, where do you see, or what do you see that you know impacting the market at all? Yeah, it would it would certainly seem like we're past it from a volume perspective, but I would hesitate yeah. to say that that it's over. Um, maybe part of that is just trauma from <laughs> the Delta variant. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah. It, it, it's, it's so it, it's so strange for all of us who work in this space because we've had such an incredible success professionally in, in our in the last year, but it's also been such a hard year. Um, we're still seeing carriers exclude COVID in their policies. So in that sense, it's yeah. not over. Um, 
but you know, we, we have counterbalanced a lot of the challenges that we faced, even with those exclusions. And, you know, and, and it's interesting, you get on the phone with clients and they're not so hung up on that. I mean, we do work obviously to tailor and, and narrow those exclusions. And on some yeah. deals, carriers are not proposing it at, at the outset, which is great. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a sophistication now around that issue and, and people are aware that it's something that they have to diligence or at least speak to on the underwriting call. Um, I think, you know, more broadly speaking from, from a kind of risk perspective and what we could see in our business, we still could see some macroeconomic kind of effects like changes to the tax code could impact our business. Um, so far, we think the, the looming or impending kind of threat of, of tax code changes has only been very good for our business and that we've mm-hmm. you know seen a, a big rise in, in um, policies being placed. But also, you know, there's been some predictions about um, some of the investors having difficulty in accessing deal financing. So that's something that could also impact our business down the line. But are we over it? I, I would say we're in a really good spot. Um, and and we're all pretty excited to to continue to grow. Well, yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I think that's very consistent with what we're seeing otherwise in the markets as well. Yeah, and, I agree. Um, maybe as part of the uh, uh, mid year update here, um, you know the the issue everybody always uh, cares about the most. What is the sort of rate on the line and the premiums and uh, the retention amounts? And I think we had. You know, seeing the premiums take a pretty big dip last year in the in the heart of COVID, but uh, it come back by the end of the year, and you know, it was you know kind of hovering around three to four percent. And just wanted your view as to where you see premiums, uh, where you've seen premiums at for the first part of the year, and um, other kind of uh, aspects of the policy from a financial perspective. Yeah, I think that's right, Brian. I think it's still we're we're still in the kind of three to four percent range for this first, um, for, you know, for end of last year and then beginning of this year and first half of this year. Really, now it's been flying by. But um, you know, I think in early twenty twenty, I would say we were in the two percent kind of mid twos on a lot of deals. Cer- certainly, the straightforward deals, um, and then there was sort of this correction that happened as a result of you know, COVID concerns and also a rise in claims as the product has matured in the U.S. And um, I do think that that there's been a little bit of stable, you know, stabilization in, in that three to four percent um, range. You know, I, I think around the time that you had um, Bill Minot on your show, I think he mentioned that there was more of a spread. So we were seeing, you know, in March of this year, we were seeing rates that were kind of in the um high twos on certain deals and then and then all the way into the fours and fives for the exact same transaction. Now, when I look at the terms that I'm getting back from the carriers, there's a more even kind of, you know, maybe 20, 30, 40 basis point difference between the different carriers. So there's there's been a correction and it does seem to have sort of plateaued into a, a more stable rate. You, you win a bonus because you mentioned a prior show of ours and you, you <laughs> nailed it exactly right. So that is callback. Uh, really, yeah, I know. <laughs> we were very, very impressed with that. So, uh, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I think that's consistent with what we've been seeing. And have you been seeing any other trends around the retentions amounts or uh, more uh, no seller indemnity deals versus split deals or anything in those areas? Yeah, retentions are still um, pretty stable in the 1% 
range on most middle market transactions. Um, and then under 1% is, of course, available on the, the larger deals. I have noticed that on some, you know, it used to be that that kind of 500 million or, or over would get you an, a, an under 1% retention on really attractive deals that the market responded well to. I actually have, have seen a few deals under 200 million where we've gotten retentions below 1% where people are trying to be competitive, where uh-huh. they don't feel that they can compete as much on price because they're still in that three to 4% kind of band, but they are, um, you know, trying to be more competitive on retention. Um, and then you also asked Brian about um, no seller indemnity versus split. And we actually, in our um, most recent market update, have some t- some statistics around that. Um, it's around 56% for no seller indemnity and 44% for the split indemnity. And that's on, you know, the deals that that we're seeing at Aon, uh, which is interesting because, you know, that, that, that puts us clearly in the predominance of of walkaway deals, you know, real, real walkaway deals with no indemnity um, for the seller. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I think we've also heard a lot in the markets as well, uh, Julia, about um, using the product in uh, kind of different ways. Um, I know last year during COVID, there was a lot of talk about using it in uh, 363 sales and bankruptcies. And then I think the uh, the buzzword this year has been using it in these SPAC transactions. And then I, I think we've we've personally seen in our own practice uh, using it in secondary deals as well. And um, have you been seeing, you know, th- that those sort of trends as well or any kind of uh, thoughts about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think when we get nervous about the economy, we all all of us lawyers kind of bone up on our, on our bankruptcy knowledge. <laughs> that um, is true. But, but it, it actually hasn't necessarily played out as being, you know, a, a huge area of growth. We, I think, have always in rep and warranty had a, a relatively steady stream of 363 transactions. And the good news is that I think we've figured out that the product works in much the same way that it, that it would, you know, otherwise in, and that also goes for SPACs and secondaries. I mean, the key thing for any of, of these transactions and the, sort of the key threshold or hurdle is the diligence, um, which is always sort of the backbone of, of what we do and, and needs to substantiate those reps for, for the insurers to get comfortable. So as long as that's there, we have found ways to adapt and um, you know use the product on those kinds of sort of unusual transactions the other area i would highlight is also we're seeing a lot of minority investments that are interested in using rep and warranty insurance so that's been a that big too. a yeah. big category yeah it is interesting to see the product used in different ways like that so moving away a little bit from the product and focusing a little bit on aon are there any updates you want to share with us? Can we all be looking forward to the Miami conference in 2022 or will it be somewhere else? <laughs> Hopefully on a um, different time zone. So, <laughs> so I can't yes. respond to emails. Yeah. Where, well, <laughs> what, what do we have it. to look forward to? I hate to disappoint you on that front, Jenna, but but it's Miami <laughs> is back, so that's okay. exciting. Um, I'll take it. And, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll take it. Well, I think we're yeah. all happy to to get together. I I miss Absolutely. everyone. I miss seeing everyone. Um. So so save the date. Um. The 2022 um, transaction <laughs> solutions symposium is February second through third. Um. Thanks. It's going to be back at the Mandarin Oriental Miami. 
Great. Kind of funny. That was like the last, that was like the last normal thing that Jenna and I did. And so uh, (laughs) several years ago, we went to that. So um, together, I went to, I went on vacation after that. I was in Costa Rica. So I did normal things after that, but I was terrified of dying, but I still did it. (laughs) Well, Well, yeah, I mean, I think that um, we probably are all going to want to leave, use Miami and then go go elsewhere at the weekend after and do something kind of yes. relaxing. Hopefully by then, because th- we'll be coming out of Q4 and we all know that there's a little bit of um, continuation into January, usually for the deals that don't get done. So I think by February, we'll all be ready to see each other and hopefully celebrate some of this success that we've had as an industry. Yes, because I'm looking the second and third is a Wednesday, Thursday. So it is a perfect opportunity. Yes. Smart thinking. It's like someone thought about exactly. that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I think you also mentioned, Julia, that um, we saw this, that Aon put out a kind of a newsletter um, recently uh, summarizing some of the stats. And I know you mentioned some of them, but I thought it was a wonderful resource. And uh, thank you very much for, uh, uh, for doing that, because I, I think it really does help crystallize some of the points we're seeing in the market. Yeah, thanks, Brian. We um, so that's available online, and I think we can maybe hopefully also put it in the show notes. Um, a link to Definitely. that. Um, yes. It's a it's just a quick update. And the other interesting aspect of it that I haven't really addressed is also some points about claims. And um, you know, we have a fantastic claims group, and it's one of the things that I was really excited about in joining Aon. Um, so we've got kind of our highlights of our top five breaches cited in in the claims and. Um, not surprisingly, the financial statements is the first one, but um, you know we we it's have a, a good a, yeah a good kind of little summary that'll give folks a a, a quick kind of rundown of where, what we're seeing in claims as well. Great. Well, we yeah, we'd be honored to include that in the show notes, and we recommend all the listeners out there to take a look at it because it does have a lot of uh, interesting statistics um, that the. That the great folks at Aon have put together and are a, a great resource for everybody. So thank you for for doing that. So um, so I think we'll now head into the uh, to the uh, true fun part of the show. Uh, <laughs> we call uh, once more under the breach our little Shakespearean uh, three uh, fun questions here. Um, so I'll lead it off today with uh, with the first one, um, and because we're sort of at the at the mid year, we. Earlier in the year, we would always say this question, um, uh, kind of a 12-month outlook, but be- perhaps because we're at the mid-year, it's, uh, we can give a six-month outlook. But um, you know, what do you think is going to be the biggest change we're going to see in the RWI markets um, in the next six months as we uh, continue through the rest of 2021 here? Uh, I hate to say it because, but I, I do know that I'm not the first on your podcast to mention this. Um, but I think carriers being increasingly selective in the deals that they're willing to quote. Um, there's just, you know, a week we're getting a lot of pushback on bandwidth. And I've even heard that um, certain brokers are just hearing, no, we don't actually even have time to sign your NDA to look at the, or your, to look at the, tra- the submission. So, um, it's just been really challenging. The volume, I think, is something that we're, we're all kind of churning and, and, and working through and, and we've had to hire a lot. Um, but I think that that's the biggest challenge is probably getting the carrier's attention on some of the tougher deals um, and 
shameless plug, I guess it's good. You know, that's when you want to have a good broker on your side to be fighting, <laughs> fighting to get those terms. But I, I do see that as a, as a challenge, you know, people were, were competing a, a lot more and now, you know, we go out pretty broadly to different carriers and we're, we're not getting back as many terms as we used to. Yeah. I, I've, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. I think we yeah. both heard that. And I think a lot of the carriers are hiring right now and um, right, for I think that realizing, reason, yeah. yeah, that they're leaving, perhaps leaving some um, deals on the table, so to speak. Um, but, uh, you know, the stat was not last year at this time was not the time to hire. And so now it's kind of trying to get caught up to appropriately respond to where the, the market is. So, yeah, I've, I've definitely seen that. Um, so I'll ask the second question here, too. Um, so, uh, you described a little bit of your career and how you got involved in this. Um, and you know, would there be a piece of career advice you might have for a listener out there who's just dying to get into corporate insurance <laughs> and, um, what they can do, uh, uh, to, to make a name in this field? Yeah, I was thinking about this and, a Ted Lasso quote came to mind. I um, love Ted Lasso. That is a good show. It's such a good show. It's so it's good. Very, yeah. It's just got a good, good heart yeah. to it. Um, and he said, I feel like I fell out of the lucky tree, hit every branch on the way down, landed in a pool of cash and Sour Patch Kids. And um, that's kind of how I feel. dream about Sour Patch Kids, actually. <laughs> now that you say it, I like remember. <laughs> There's... Actually, Jenna, I should tell you this because you're in time near Times Square at, yeah. at the um, Cypher's office. Um, there's, I think, a Sour Patch store near you. Oh, um, is there? Yeah, dangerous fact. But um, that is a dangerous fact. <laughs> I mean, I really but, am more partial to chocolate. So, like when the M and M store was here, that was worse. Really. Ooh, yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. But I'll, I, I guess like the, the quote is meant to say, to express my feeling of just total fortune in falling yeah. into this um, field. And I think that for people who are lucky enough to hear about it and explore it, um, it can be so rewarding because you're not just working with your skill set, presumably, you know, having done some M&A or, you know, being a lawyer um, or coming from elsewhere in insurance. You're, you're making a lot of really great deals happen across all kinds of industries. And, and throughout that, you're getting to learn about all different kinds of businesses, which is really my favorite part of the job. But there's also so many wonderful people working in this field. Um, I've made some very close friends over the years, and they're smart and kind and hardworking and fun to work with. So um, the advice I would give to someone who's thinking about this is, is definitely explore it and get to know the people, you know, get to know all the different players and see kind of where you fit in. Cause I know, you know, it's hard to get the lay of the land of uh, the landscape of different insurers and their kind of style and how they're backed and how they function, but really kind of talk to different people. And I think people are pretty open to speaking. I think that's absolutely been our experience too. And I um, echo both those points. I've, I've had someone who was working on these deals with us once said to me, it's like a episode of Shark Tank every day um, and going on these <laughs> calls and hearing about all this stuff. And I like that show. And so that's probably why I like this. And and I think uh, Jenna and I completely second the point about uh, the lovely and delightful people in this industry. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Everybody including the present company at the top of the list. And um, <laughs> that's, uh, definitely that's a really nice part of it. So I'll turn it over to Jenna for the last uh, mystery question. It 
Julia actually doesn't know about, but um, it's a topic that my uh, female guest and female co-host, I think, are more qualified to talk about than I am. So I'll, Jenna, take well, that is a very gendered statement, <laughs> I think, and I think totally not true. But in any way, it's, it, depending on your answer to the first part, if there's going to be a discreet sub part to the question. So we'll see. So I know that wow. you are a Real Housewife fan, as <laughs> you don't have to be a woman to be a Real Housewife fan, Brian, but leaving that aside, which is your favorite franchise and who is your favorite housewife? Okay. That's not the subpart. This is there's another this is, this is okay, good, good. Yeah. This is a very this you know what's funny, Jenna, though, too. That there's a group of us in Rep and Warranty Insurance who are Real Housewives fans. <laughs> I am um, a member yeah. of this group. I need to be and now you're officially. and now you're a member um officially. And um I just bought uh, a Real Housewives coloring book for um oh one of my former colleagues um at AIG. But um New York, definitely, because yeah. I heart NYC, and um, uh, I think they're they're insane. insane. Um, and I mean, they're all insane. insane. Yeah, and I think that's what's fun to watch. But I have to say, and she's a new addition, but Ebony is Ebony. By, is is just. I mean, she doesn't meet the like crazy fun spectacle, but I love what she's bringing to the show. I love that she's a lawyer and she's super measured and smart and I feel like she's just adding a lot to it um and and making it a smarter more interesting show and she definitely like sees it for what it is she's not like she's kind of like our voice like from the outside yes, she's not totally like, every yeah. time she speaks I'm like yes that's what I that's what I want <laughs> I wanted that voice here because usually it's just a cacophony of 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 morons in a fun way yeah um agreed <laughs> Well, thank you very, very much for joining us today and delving into the real housewives of whatever city <laughs> you're in and other exciting rep and warranty subjects. Thank yeah, you thank so you. much for having me. This was fun. I, I really love talking to you guys and love that you're doing this. This is a great um, podcast and, uh, you know, I hope it continues. Oh, well, we do too. Thank you for joining thank us. You. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, Julia, for joining us. We, uh, appreciate the uh the insights you have um and again congratulations for all the great stuff that's uh that's going on at aon and if anybody would uh from the show would like to get in touch with you what's me you want to give the best way to do that yes sure um well you can email me and my name is very hard to spell but if you look it up i'm the <laughs> only <laughs> i'm the only julia papa Stavridis out there so um i am so also it's, the it's, only usenheimer usually anywhere, awesome so I'm with you yeah that's great yeah, yeah it's kind of it, it, it's the perk of having a hard to spell last name um it is, it is. so so julia.papas at aon.com okay, we'll great. spell it in the show notes so it'll be very easy for people to we'll, yes we will put it out Perfect. there and so thank <laughs> thank you again for joining us we really appreciated having you on and uh, i think this wraps up another show jenna well where will, where will I say. be next? I don't know. You know, <laughs> a mystery, I guess. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. Till next time. Thank you for listening to Into the Breach. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, please visit rwipodcast.com. The views and opinions expressed by Brian O'Keefe and Jenna Usenheimer in this podcast are their own 
and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Cyfarth Shaw, LLP, its partners, or its employees. The podcast does not provide legal or other professional services. This podcast is made available by the lawyer publishers for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the law, not to provide specific legal advice. By listening to this podcast, you understand that there is no attorney-client relationship between you and the lawyer publishers. The podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state. As defined in the State Bar of New York's Code of Professional Responsibility, this podcast is considered a form of attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee similar outcomes.